Hey, Lauren, do you want to hear about a good deal? Why, yes, Mason, I would love to. Good, because I have a deal with your name on it. Tell me more! Well, in that case, GoDaddy.com is offering the best deals of a lifetime. For only $3.59 a month for a year, you can get GoDaddy.com's economy package. Amazing! What do I get with the economy package? You get 250 gigs of bandwidth, 5 gigs of storage, and up to 500 email accounts. You can get your website up and running. I can? Yeah. When you check out, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, and save 10% on any order. Can you spell that again? Yeah, I can. That's M-U-G-G-L-E. Wow. Do any restrictions apply? Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Today's MuggleNet podcast is brought to you by Borders. In May, thousands of Harry Potter fans descended upon New Orleans for the Phoenix Rising Conference. Borders was there to take in the sights and share a lively discussion of the series that has bewitched the world with some of Harry's most dedicated fans. Listen in to watch the action yourself. Check out the Phoenix Rising Borders book club discussion at bordersmedia.com slash harrypotter or click on the Borders banner at the top of the MuggleNet page. Because we're going to have a good time tonight, this is MuggleCast, episode 107 for September 1st, 2007. Recording in a long time, and we have a good panel today. I was going to say great, but I realized it's not that great. Uh, we have Eric here. Hello. Laura. Yay. And Micah. Hey. All, all the regulars. And we also have an English guy here. And I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you think it's Jamie. Well, you're wrong. Jerry Cook is here Hello, today. And we are celebrating. What are we celebrating, Andrew? What? Uh, we are celebrating being back in the studio. Yes. And making it through the summer without a scratch or a mark or a, a hickey. <laughs> Everything's good here. <laughs> um, I have to ask, though, is anyone sad about the summer being over? I am. About the summer yeah. of Potter? I am. Laura, Laura? Yeah. 
really hit me like I'm in college now sitting in my dorm right now and it was like wow it all went by really fast it felt like it was just yesterday we were all in LA for the premiere and now it's like back to school so it's kind of depressing but exciting as well because college is awesome good well I'm moving in tomorrow Eric, uh, Eric, are you in college now, yeah, or been, what? What's that's going what on? I'm doing over here. I've been at uni since February. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I was letting you know, you know. Um, are you, yeah. are you sick, Eric? Um, no. Oh. You do your your voice sounds a little, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, Eric, I think. Eric, a little yeah. just been going on. Well, what books haven't did for me, I, I'm growing up now, and so I'm hitting oh, puberty, <laughs> and, uh, you know, going through all those changes. Ch-ch-ch-changes. But yeah. Uh, we're not aware of that word here on the show. But anyway, um, let's see. Micah, how's school going for you? Oh, great. Absolutely. Good. Just, just a great, great time. Um, Good. Even so, though it ended two years ago, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't realize. Didn't realize. Um, all right. So we, we have a great show today for everyone. I am personally ready. I'm excited to be back. I got my haircut today, so I am set. If I could use a haircut. Yeah, me too. I'm Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Gary Cook. Micah Tannenbaum is in the MuggleCast News Center with the past couple of weeks' top Harry Potter news stories. All right, thanks, Andrew. According to the Wiltshire Times, filming for Half Blood Prince will take place in the village and in the cloisters at Lecoq Abbey in Wiltshire, England. This location will be used for multiple night scenes from the Six Potter book. Shooting will last four days in October between 5 p.m. and 5 a.m. A sum of 30,000 pounds will be given to the village in exchange, and in addition, each resident will receive a sum of 200 pounds and a secure parking service. At a recent lecture in the U.S., John Williams, former composer of the Harry Potter movie soundtrack, was asked if he was hoping to score the last Harry Potter film. He said with confidence that he thinks he will be back for Deathly Hollows, and then added that he hopes he is. As previously reported, Nicholas Hooper will be scoring Half-Blood Prince. Speaking of movie news, according to a new report released by several British film and tourism bodies, the location of scenes shot in the Harry Potter movies are among several recent films responsible for the boost in UK tourism. Chief Executive of the UK Film Council John Woodward said, British films and television programs play a powerful role in showcasing the UK to the rest of the world and boosting tourism. There are countless examples of visitors flocking to locations they've seen in films or on TV, and the effect can last for years. The report also listed several other non-Potter films, including The Da Vinci Code, Gosford Park, and Pride and Prejudice. And various details concerning the upcoming Order of the Phoenix DVD release are slowly starting to emerge. The movie Informer has received what looks to be the front and back cover of the two-disc special edition DVD. As for release date, rumors are currently circulating that we can expect to see it in mid-November, many sites reporting November 12th in the UK. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix walked away with the surfboard for Choice Summer Movie Drama Action Adventure at the 2017 Choice Awards. Other movies in the category included Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Live Free or Die Hard, Transformers, and The Bourne Ultimatum. Last week, the Sunday Mirror reported that a Harry Potter-themed musical is currently in the works. To open in London's West End, the article says producers are working on several script ideas and believe it has huge potential. More on that later in the show. Finally, the author of the Harry Potter novels, J.K. Rowling, and the actress that brings Hermione to life on the movie screen, Emma Watson, have been selected as two of 100 women Premier has chosen because of their impact on the film industry in 2007. 
That's all the news for this September 2nd, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. That's all the news for this September 1st, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. All right. Thank you, Micah. Welcome. It's been a long time. Hey, uh, yeah, and uh, you just celebrated a birthday the other day, didn't I you? I did. By the day, I mean last week. By last week, I mean, I'm not sure exactly when. Laura knows. <laughs> August 17th, because I am awesome uh, and yes. I remember people's birthdays. <laughs> yeah. two, two weeks ago. Well, see, because I try to look on Micah's About Us profile, but there's no birthday. It's just 24. Sneaky. Just now updated. <laughs> but happy birthday, Micah. Thanks. We, uh, what, what did you do for your birthday? Um, I actually went to another friend's surprise birthday party, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool, cool. And, um... It was also Ben's birthday. Unfortunately, he cannot be here today. He uh, he has some stuff to do. And then Jerry, um, yep. none of the l- listeners know you yet, but it's also it was also <laughs> your birthday recently, right? Yeah, August seventeenth, same as Micah. Oh, really? Uh, oh, coincidentally, yeah. How old were you? So why didn't you guys like, coordinate 21. a little party? Oh, yeah, twenty-one. You said, yeah. Wow. Oh man, big you time. Know, I come that means nothing over there. That means nothing over in the UK, though, doesn't? No. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying. Interesting. Yeah. 18 is the big age over there. Yeah. So, uh, happy birthday to you three. And Thank you. um who's the next birthday coming up? Um should be Jamie, right? Uh, May. December oh, yeah, 7th. Jamie's December. Jamie's yeah. December. Oh, well, I turned um I turned 19 and a half on uh, October 23rd. Well, see, Eric, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. no, we don't count half birthdays on the oh, show here. Okay. Sorry. Cuz I wanted to encourage people to start sending birthday gifts in if it was me, but it's not me, so forget about it. And uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so moving on to some news lately. There hasn't been much in the news. After after the book came out, it was pretty much downhill. It's depressing. Uh, yeah, there ha- it really is depressing. Like, how many times has MuggleNet been updated since the book came out? Like, twice? Yeah, you can probably <laughs> count them on one hand. Yeah. Uh, I just posted today about the DVD information. That's I guess there's some information there. Uh, rumored release date right now of November twelfth in the UK. Really? Yeah, for the I DVD. I think you enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess it's good news. Nobody really cares. I another interesting piece of information was the list of deleted scenes, and uh, back at the LA premiere, Emerson and I uh, posed that question to David Yates, the director. We said, "What uh, deleted scenes are we going to be seeing?" on the DVD, and one of them he talked about that is also listed here, Trelawney eating. And apparently, it, it, according to the, uh, <laughs> what is this again? Uh, the British Board of Film Classification website, their website, it's a two and a half minute clip of Trelawney eating. At least that's the title. And apparently, David Yates said that, um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the actress. Who Emma, plays Emma Thompson. Oh, Emma Thompson. Yeah, em- cool. Emma Thompson. Eric says it like like I'm out of my mind. No, no, that's Emma fine. Thompson. Yeah, no. You are Emma out of your mind. Sorry, I, I actually actress. am developing some kind of a, a cold, so I'm sounding. Oh, that's no, she's not just. She's I'm more of a big deal over here. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, apparently it was a clip where Emma Thompson just sort of just winged it and uh, was uh, just eating, and I can't remember what exactly. Well, see, Andrew, if it was going to be a deleted scene, I would expect that it would have been Professor Trelawney drinking, not eating, but that's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, I, I, sorry to put you on the spot here, but what is the British Board of Film Classification? 
Do you know they're, what that is? Like, yeah, they're the people who give it, you know, the 18 certificate or the 15th certificate. They yeah. watch it and say, it's, oh, it's oh, like children America, can't see that. In it's America, too you're strong. the MPAA. Right. Motion picture. Okay. Because I didn't understand why this was posted on their website, but I guess it's because they just rate the deleted scenes? Yeah, I guess so. Well, it's just like on DVDs you get those disclaimers that say, you know, the rights are, or the uh, views expressed on this do not affect studio, you know, thoughts or whatever, things like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Th- this, uh, I don't even know how they've been able to release all these unrated DVDs just because the MBAA and stuff regulate that kind of stuff. Uh, with right. Rating. Yeah. Yeah. And usually in the U.S. it, it says this, this bonus DVD is not rated or something Yeah, like yeah, exactly. But um, a lot of the things, like, to put them out, the MPAA, it's it's like a law. I mean, you do have to get rated, uh, to, at least to be in a, a movie movie in a theater. Um, you have to be, you have to get rated. Right. So right. I think it's about public display, isn't it? If it it's really is. Public yeah. Display. Absolutely. And uh, rated, but. children protecting the ears and minds of children. So um, some other news. J.K. Rowling. Well, okay. This this is a very interesting story. Uh, Ian. Ian. Uh, Rankin. Ian. Yeah. I'm turning off the story. Ian Rankin. Said was quoted as saying that uh, J.K. Rowling was working on a crime novel, and of course, being the Harry Potter fandom that we are, we po- all the fan sites posted about it, and everyone was like, "Oh man, I, 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 she's writing another bo- uh, novel," and it wasn't that surprising because she said in interviews before that she probably would work on it. She she enjoys writing and reading crime novels, right? Uh, yep. Yeah, I think I read something about that, but yeah. So then, as it turns out, Ian Rankin uh, comes back a few days later, and he says, uh, it was a joke that got out of hand. <laughs> so, personally, I don't believe that. <laughs> I know, it's it's a really lame excuse, isn't it? Like, oh, I was just kidding. Like, who who kids about that kind of thing? Like, yeah, he, how is that yeah. funny? He said there were 600 people in the audience, and only one person didn't laugh. Yeah. Um, waiters, maybe. I, how could you hear? I don't see. How, how could you hear that one person not laughing? How yeah. can you tell? Yeah, <laughs> good very, point. Very yeah. So, so his credibility—I don't know. Maybe J.K.R. is doing a crime novel. Maybe she just didn't want that publicity out there, you know, this soon. She's not going to confirm or deny. She's just put out a whopper, and she doesn't. Yeah. keep thinking about it's, the future. Didn't she say though that the one thing she was looking forward to writing most after book seven was that political fairy tale that she talked about? Like it was a children's book. Yeah, yeah. Meant for a younger crowd than Harry Potter. Yeah. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that she couldn't be writing something else. Because if, right. you know, she got interested in something else, of course she'd write it. But, I mean, I think it should be treated as speculation for now. But we shouldn't rule it out. Because we know from just the basic premise of Harry Potter, there's so much mystery in those books that she loves to write that kind of thing. So Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think it's entirely plausible. Speaking of that children's book, she had said at the uh, the charity reading back in August 2006 that it was halfway complete. And I imagine she... She hasn't been working on it uh, while working on book seven at the same time. <laughs> but if it's halfway complete, uh, you know, we should probably see it in a couple of years. I just killed. It might be like a Fred. bit on the side, might it? I'm going to go write my children's book now. Why is that? I don't kind of. Uh, it's just her okay. writing at the same time as book seven, sorry. Oh, oh you, yeah. you know, okay. I, I've just exploded Hedwig. What a better time to write about the gumdrop fairy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it could be a relaxation technique, couldn't it? Something she enjoys doing and therefore does it as an aside to take the stress away from writing. Exploding, yeah. or writing children's mm-hmm. books. 
Why do children oh, yeah. Yes, because we often blow up people's pet birds <laughs> to uh, release stress, Eric. Do they do that in New Zealand? Yes, they do. Well, I do. I, I don't know, but okay. I can't speak for any of my Kiwi neighbors. Just but, checking. Yeah. Harry Potter, the musical, uh, the Sunday Mirror broke this story. Jerry, not a very reliable source, right? No, the they are tabloid. They're not one of the most lying tabloids, but they're up there. Okay, if it, if it, if it was there. the Guardian or the Independent, then I'd I'd take notice. But I don't know. I'd take take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. So um, uh, apparently they have a source that said uh, that uh, there are producers already working on several script ideas and believe it has huge potential. And I quote the article, it says, The difficulty is condensing the seven books into a manageable show. They are exploring various ideas. One possibility is to tell the whole story. Another is to just take a single plot. Personally, I think both ideas are bad. Uh, yeah. I just uh, had yeah. this visual, and I know that, I mean, it says it's a musical, but I just had this visual of, like, Harry and Ron, like, going across the stage in ballerina shoes and, like, tights and everything. And I'm just like, no. No, because well, when I think musical, I think of like extremely artistic ballet, dancing, the Harry Potter songs, ballet. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, no. Well, um, I'm not sure what musicals you've seen, but yeah, really, Laura. Not every musical no, is not, just ballerinas. Not, not every musical is bad, but what are they going to do with Harry no, Potter? No, ballerinas, ballerinas. No, but I mean, like Andrew, seriously, it's not going to be like We Will Rock You or any of that other <laughs> stuff you like. Well, they're going to have like, they're going to have Snape <laughs> sing some really obnoxiously depressing ballad or something. It's like, no, please. Yeah, Myrtle's moan. Well, I'm sort of Myrtle's moan will be the 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 show stopping <laughs> number. <laughs> the well, um, well n- no, no, don't. Well, okay. No, yeah, don't. Hold on, wait don't a worry second. About it. I'm actually glad you guys brought this up because um, after I posted this story, uh, a Mugglenet staff member approached me. I'll keep her nameless for now, and she said, "Well, she basically encouraged me and said I could possibly have a role in this musical." And um, I gave it some thought. And I think I want to try out for this. So, Jerry, if you could sort of, you know, keep an eye out. If you hear anything, could you let me know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm asking my casting agents to uh, keep an ear out as well. And um, I don't know if you guys want to hear this, but I actually already prepared a song for my audition. What character are you going to play? Um, Are you open to anything? Well... (laughs) Um, the song that I composed is, um, could really be placed, uh, into any character's role. Let me guess. It's Tomorrow from Annie. No. No. (laughs) It's not that. Um, do you guys mind if I sing a a verse? No, go for it. Shoot. I I get a little nervous. This is... Good morning, Hogwarts school. Oh Every gosh. day is like a swim in the pool. Every night is a fantasy. Every sounds like a symphony. Um, you know, Andrew, for some uh, reason... Sorry, I'm a little I, nervous, so my throat might not be on par today. I don't think that there's today, a, but... the role of Tracy in this, but... What do you mean? That's, what are you talking about? It just sounds very familiar. It sounds like another musical that's out right now. I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway, uh-huh. um, would do I have a chance? Is oh yeah, absolutely. Good? You should go Definitely. for it yeah. right now. I thought Harry could. I could play Harry. 
because this is what that staff member said I could. Um, would anyone else like to have a turn and maybe sing a little song to audition for the I Harry Potter musical? So. Normally I would Eric? jump, especially to get our, our names out, you know, here yeah, and now. Eric, I was definitely expecting you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're looking for content that way, uh, no. Um, but I, I will say I, it's just it's a practical kind of problem for them to do a condensed story of seven years of Hogwarts because Harry starts out as 11 and ends up as 18, so they would either, to rectify that, they would probably have to have either... You seven know, Harrys. <laughs> well, seven, seven Harrys, Harrys or, you know, uh, an 18-year-old playing 11-year-old Harry, or like a 15-year-old. Hey, it could happen. Kind of, yeah, 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 I'm just wondering how they do that. Um, but, you know, I, it's just, they'd fix it, you know, it's it's Broadway. Or would they do it on Broadway, or would they do it on West End, or what? What would be the deal? Wasn't it? Uh, it was an American the company, right? No, what the Harry Potter musical? Yeah, that wanted to do the Harry Potter musical. No, no, it's it's, oh, it's Sunday Mirror. It's UK. Oh yeah, well then they yeah, should only can. allow Brits to do it, just like in the movies. <laughs> yeah, except one except, thing that does get me about and sorry, sorry to cut you. Except I did see the producers on the West End, and I much preferred the American version. So uh, that's just me, but hmm. Um, one thing that got me about this article that doesn't make it very credible is that the article says at the end that they're hoping to have it in in a theater by 2008, by next that's year. Crap. And that's impossible. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Unless you've been working on it for like two years already, which... Yeah, yeah. But there's... I think we would have heard more about this now, so... Yeah, quite. I, but it doesn't... Sur- I... What? Does does the West End generally draw more adults, or are there a lot of kids' uh, shows that are in there as well? I think it just depends what's there. Yeah. I mean, look at, say, Equus. That would draw a lot of Dan Radcliffe fans. And it's not like the West End is out of London. It's in pretty central London, right, Jerry? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's it's, it's just a two-bribe away, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Andrew, we stayed like three blocks from it, so... Yeah, it was... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty really central. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of musicals in the UK, I highly recommend "We Will Rock You." Ooh. Jerry, have you seen "We Will Rock You"? I haven't. I mean, we walked once oh, to the theatre, great. didn't we? But I did, haven't seen it now. We did. Yeah, it's great. <sighs> highly recommend it. But um, anyway, let's move on now to more of the show. Have some announcements. Don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It's a new month. It's now September, so don't forget to place your vote. You guys have been doing great voting for us uh, without us asking, so we really appreciate that. Also, thank you to everyone who came out uh, for the summer tour, to all, to any of the live shows that you were at, all of us here. Well, well Jerry was at the England one, too. Uh, you know, We had a great time at all of the live shows, so we would just like to thank everyone for coming out. Hope you enjoyed them. Hope you enjoyed all the live shows you've been hearing over the past month or month and a half or two months now. It was fun to chill with you guys in London. I really, I, I thought that that was a, a trip in itself that really went down quite well. And I know you guys went off and yeah. you still had a, a continued amazing summer with the tour and with Prophecy and everything else. But it was just great to see you guys in London. I was very happy for that. And that was, uh, that mm. was really memorable and really cool. Yeah, London was really memorable for me just because it was like, you know, it was the last book. We were where it all began, sort of, you know, at least we were in the same country. And it it was just really, really cool to be there with all of you. I had a really good time with that. I also immensely enjoyed the premiere trip and, of course, you know, going to Toronto. Um, best part of Prophecy was the ball. 
by far, I think. What did everybody yes. think of that? Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> I, think, I think we were the only ones in this group there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was yeah. really group, fun, though. <laughs> you, yeah, you guys missed out. It was really, really fun. Yeah. We danced to the Spice Girls. Who was next year? And the Jamie had a song. great time getting removed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you did. didn't hear that? <laughs> Why? Oh, um, Jamie. Because he's, he's a sport. He was just too good for the dance floor. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it really was a fun time at Prophecy. There was something else. Oh, yeah, it was funny. When Laura... Um, Jamie and I had just arrived in England, and we were in Heathrow waiting for our bags, and I'm also keeping an eye on the escalator to make sure I see Laura coming down, because she had just arrived at the same time, and as Laura's coming down the escalator, she doesn't see me yet, Laura, the look on your face was just priceless, you just had this big grin on your face, you just slowly go down the escalator and just looking around, taking all the sights in, I was like, wow, this girl is happy to be here. I was so (laughs) excited, you have no idea, like, I... I was even nice to the customs person. Like, I woke up with this huge smile on my face, and he was like, yeah. what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm here for the Harry Potter release. And then he asked me the stupidest question ever. He goes, oh, you like Harry Potter? Yeah, he <laughs> asked you the dumbest question. And no, I'm like, no, 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 I'm just no. here for the hell of it. But yeah, I, I was so excited to be there. I had an awkward good. moment with a customs guy when I was leaving Canada. I had my pickle pack shirt on, and I walk up to him, and he just goes under his breath. The pickle pack. I was like, yeah, it's the <laughs> <laughs> so That was kind of an awkward moment. I bet he wrote it on, <laughs> on your passport. Possible troublemaker likes pickles, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye out for pickle jars, which I broke. I, uh, never mind. I'll tell that story another time. <laughs> but, um, hey, moving along now. One, one thing I've been getting a lot of requests for, and we have a new way of supporting the show. It is MuggleCast ringtones. Have you guys seen these yet? I just put them up last I did. night. No, I didn't see MuggleCast ringtones. MuggleCast.com. It's just the Wizard Rock. Uh, my Wizard. Not to come off arrogant, but it's just my Wizard Rock singles for now. Um, the problem is we can't release the the MuggleCast um, uh, background music because it's not ours. So we can't really do that. But anyway. Uh, these MuggleCast ringtones, they're $5. We get a small cut. We get we get half. We get 250 ish Not even. I was looking at the thing the other day, or earlier today. And they go to help supporting the show. So if you'd like to have a little muggle, piece of MuggleCast on your show, maybe we'll take clips from the show and throw those on there, too. I well, are they, are they True Tone or are they Polyphonic? How are we doing this? Uh, oh, I don't know how it works. It's a service I went through. But a <laughs> few people have been buying them so far, and I haven't seen any complaints yet. The only problem is that Verizon customers cannot use these, and it's only uh, U.S., I'm pretty Verizon's sure. always oh. a problem. Verizon is always a problem. Yeah, yeah sorry, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know. visit MuggleCats.com. There's a news post there, and we'll put a permanent link around there somewhere. They go to help supporting the show. I know what you, some of you may be saying, some of you tech-savvy users, oh, well, I can just do that for free. I can mail myself. Yes, I, I'm aware of this. But you can, if you want to support the show, this is a way to do it. MuggleCats.com. Look around for ringtones. Should be right there. And, uh, oh, lastly... I thought this was very interesting. Uh, we put up a poll on MuggleCast.com. Have you finished reading the book? 98%, 10,137 people said, yes, I'm finished. 1%, I guess it would be a little more than 1%, say, no, I'm still reading. Uh, that was 206 people. My so God. I wonder, do we do we even have to use a spoiler warning 
It seems kind of pointless to me. I really hope that that one percent of people were just being smart. Lying. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you really haven't finished the book, what are you doing on the internet? Like, yeah. really? No. Well, go read. This po- mm-hmm. Please. And this, this poll was put up two or three weeks after we had already, after the book. Yeah, already yeah came out, I'm inclined so. to say if they've been able to navigate the spoilers in the past six or seven episodes of MuggleCast that have been out, you know. I just think they're not listening. Well, and that's that's fair enough. But yeah, what what are you doing on MuggleCast? But yeah, like yeah. Maybe yeah, shock so. horror there, Mugglecast fans who aren't Harry Potter fans. Just listen for your voices. Maybe. That's <laughs> it. Perhaps. Our voices Perhaps. are wonderful. So, so that is that. Let's move on now to our main discussion this week. Of course, it's uh, all about Deathly Hallows. We are going to continue our discussion. Uh, first, I actually want to start off with Micah and Jerry's thoughts, because we have not had heard your thoughts on the show yet. Oh, actually... No, we heard Eric's too. Yes. So, um, Micah and Jerry. Yeah. Your thoughts on book seven overall. We'll start off with overall, and then we're, we're going to get into some emails sure. and get nit- nitpicky. Uh, overall, I think it's kind of consistent with what a lot of people said. I liked the book. Um, the epilogue I wasn't too fond of. I thought it was a little weak in certain areas, um, but understand that Joe had things that she wanted to answer on her own and leave to interviews afterwards. But, I don't know, I just didn't like the epilogue a whole lot. Don't know if it necessarily even needed to be there. Um, But the book overall, I was content with, and I didn't really have a problem with any of the people other than Dobby, who who kicked the bucket on either side. Um, But I was satisfied. No real complaints, other than the epilogue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jerry? Yeah, I agree. I, I found it pretty good. The first read-through, I was a bit um, disappointed, but I was just so dead from London. But the second read-through, I made really happy. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I, 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 I was fine with the epilogue, even. I think the second read-through, I was quite happy with it. But um, I might get shot for saying that. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> why, why were you happy with it? I don't know. I th- I think that maybe it's a British thing. I don't know. I don't know. Jamie felt about it. But um, maybe we're a bit more cheesy than Americans. Maybe we um, yeah. I don't know. Stephen King really enjoyed it too. Yeah, mm. he described it as being delicious, didn't he? He did. Oh, well, yeah. Stephen, he could probably he create like a publicity. mass murder scene out of it or something. Yeah. No, but Stephen King has said some really nice things about book seven and jkr in general mm. like i just love reading like he wrote two or three different articles for i believe it was entertainment weekly is something and uh completely completely praising jkr and is very well written and uh very sentimental as well yeah you could tell he was a huge fan at the readings for harry carrie and garp last summer <laughs> like, just the way he talked to her you could tell he was such a fan i thought that was very adorable Oh yeah, and he was mm. open about it too. Oh yeah, and I mean his his um his book reviews are in the beginning of some of the books, at least for I think Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, there's a quote from him in one of the uh, in the U.S. version, I think. Jerry, that still doesn't really answer the question why you like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know I, don't I, know. I, I think it brought me some sense of fulfillment that just in knowing okay. that everyone was happy and surviving. I don't know. I think it's just like right. Joe's vision, you know, something that like stretches beyond everything. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, Micah said, she had to kind of close it out for herself in, in her own way. It's kind of like this overtly motherly kind of way to close the series with your yeah. your characters, yeah. your children, naming their kids after themselves and, and, and stuff and um, just kind of sending them off to school. Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, it makes sense. It just and one, um, one thing I was going to add yeah. was that it didn't seem very J.K. Rowling ish. That was my problem with it. It you know it, you go through the whole series and she has a specific way of writing. I just don't think the epilogue came across written the same way as the rest of the book. The, well, Micah, I would, yeah. I would argue that book seven mm. itself didn't seem J.K. Rowling-ish. Mm, well, but that's I don't agree with really that, like. but <laughs> I, I, I really agree with what Mike is saying. Like, looking back on it at first when I read the epilogue, I was like, what's this? Like, it just didn't seem like it was on par with the rest of the book at all. And, you know, thinking about it, honestly, I'm glad that all the characters got what they wanted. I'm glad that they all grew up and got married and had babies. That's wonderful. But, yeah. I, think but I think my the main issue that I took with it upon my initial reading of it was that it really almost felt like that had been written a very long time ago and that it hadn't been edited very much I guess it just seemed like the writing style was different from the rest of the book not that it was bad just that it was different yeah I mean then again it was set 19 years later so it is telling a story in a different way like you're not really seeing it it's well um, I mean, the difference was there was no conflict, and that's yeah. what the Potter books have thrived off of, is just that's the true. amazing that's amount true. of conflict yeah. between, you know, Harry and Voldemort, Harry and Draco, so... Also, I think it I was... I mean, that's why it was different. It was but... weird to have had the chapter King's Cross, uh, you know, just moments before, and, and imagining this ethereal kind of, you know, King's Cross afterlife type, you know, foggy setting, and then to actually be in King's Cross, but in the distant future, I thought it was a little bit weird, you know, that they were back there, like... You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, we had just been reading about this uh, kind of afterlife, you know, King's Cross. And now we were in this epilogue where we're imagining kind of, you know, foggily uh, the future. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, it was like bringing it back again. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, it was a little awkward, but yeah. you know, not too unpleasant. Fair point. Fair point. Like, kill you saying. Mm. You want to move along to anyone else have some thoughts before we get to some emails? Lots of emails. No, I think we can move on to the emails if everyone okay. else is ready. Uh, as you guys can imagine, we've been getting a ton of emails concerning the book. Everyone's got their own little question. And uh, we have a couple of those. And then we also, we had Jamie dig back uh, into his email, deep into his email back in uh, July from when we had everyone email him questions when we were doing the live email in, so to speak, right after we finished reading the book. Uh, so we have a few of those here. And a couple more current emails. Uh, first one comes from Drew Lawton, 18, of Orlando, Florida. He writes about that blog, actually. He says, Was I the only one who thought for sure that Harry was going to become the defense against a dark arts teacher? I mean, an aura is cool and all, but when he was teaching the DA, I just thought it would be logical for him to fill the position that was available now that the curse was lifted and do something he's good at. I was We, we discussed on the show that he... How confident were we that he was going to be the DA well, teacher? <laughs> I never thought he would be because Joe flat out said that none of the trio were going to teach at Hogwarts. So she said, "Yes, yeah, she did." State his own. When did she say that? Opinion, she said he? it in an interview. She said, "One of see my friend here, who is a Harry Potter fan, is nodding. She's telling me that I'm right." But anyway, um, <laughs> back I don't even remember when it was, but she said that someone, one of the characters that we know, will become a professor, but it won't be Harry, Ron, or Hermione. And that's why everyone thought it would be Neville, because apparently his name means absent-minded professor in Latin or something. <laughs> oh, okay. So, it's very detailed that, translation. That's a spoiler. Huh. That's... <laughs> yeah. 
it, it just seems so right for Harry, though. And Drew's right. After after Order of the Phoenix, when he's teaching the 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 uh, Dumbledore's army, you know, all these defensive spells, it, it was all almost like foreshadowing. Yeah, well, it also goes back to Order of the Phoenix too. Um, and McGonagall had said, "I'll not exact quote, but something along the lines of." I'll make sure Potter's an aura if it's the last thing I do. Do you guys remember yeah, that? No. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about also, that. Also, I feel like, and not to degrade the position of a teacher or a professor, but I feel like Harry's purpose was something beyond that. Like, I feel like if he was the person who was going to defeat Voldemort, it seems somewhat anticlimactic, to me at least, to have him after that be teaching at Hogwarts. It seems like an aura was far more of a fitting position just because it's the kind of thing that he was born to do. So. And it's not just that he was an awe, it's also that he caused all that we form in the ministry and therefore inflicted yeah. such change. Yeah, which I really like. Like, facing that persecution from the ministry, you know, there's nobody better to reform the government as it yeah. needed to be done. Okay, let's move on to another email. This is from Sheila Salinek, 14, of Pennsylvania. She writes, Dear MuggleCast, in your most recent podcast, MuggleNet episode 105, <laughs> not most recent anymore, you mentioned your theories that Mrs. Weasley did not kill Bellatrix Lestrange. You are completely and utterly wrong. <laughs> My first piece of evidence that Mrs. Weasley killed Bellatrix is on page 736 on the on the U.S. edition, and she quotes, Jets of light flew from both wands. The floor around the witch's feet became hot and cracked. Both women were fighting to kill. Also, she quotes another part of the book, Molly's curse soared beneath Bellatrix's outstretched arm and hit her squarely in the chest, directly over her heart. Sheila goes on to say, As demonstrated quite a few times throughout Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and Deathly Hallows, stunners lift the person off their feet. Bellatrix was not lifted off her feet. She just toppled over. Also, we all know that Voldemort does not get emotional emotional about his supporters. Dumbledore said himself over and over that Voldemort has no friends. Thus, why would he scream in advance on Molly if Bellatrix was just stunned? Um, I didn't know there was any question about her death at all. Like, Well... On in one of the live shows, and I guess this is this would have been Ohio. She says uh, we were talking about was Bellatrix or killed for sure because whether I'm pretty sure we said on the panel that she wasn't still alive that she was killed. But um, at any rate, you guys all agree that Bellatrix is dead. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, definitely. I didn't question okay. it at all when I read it. All right, because we did. I think it was because of uh, one of the people who were there was like, "Are you sure she's actually dead?" But all right, <laughs> it, it was the one thing that the one thing that got us, the one thing that we were discussing to begin with, is that J.K. Rowling never says Bellatrix is dead. Well, I, I'm just depressed that Neville didn't get to kill. I mean, Neville got the snake. Okay, fair enough. But I would have liked to see Neville and Bellatrix. Dude, that's, that's gonna be an me. awesome movie I, scene. You know that. Oh, oh, uh, I know. Gosh, my daughter, see that. You, no, no, person? him slicing off the snake's head. No, that both was poorly of, both written. Of I thought be. you did. When I when, why when did you I, think it was poorly written? Just just because it was poorly written. No, no, no. I, I just thought there was so much happening in that scene that when I first read it, I wasn't sure why Voldemort wasn't right in front of Neville as Neville cut the snake's head off, and if Voldemort would have seen that happen, he would have killed Neville right then and there. Like did does like Voldemort is freaking out about his Horcruxes? Does he not notice that you know? This little boy just killed one of like his one of his Horcruxes. He's he's that much closer to mortality because of this kid. Like was was he right in front of Neville? I just didn't understand the placement. I thought that Nagina was wrapped around Voldemort's neck when Neville 
took its head off. That's what I thought. And then all of a sudden I was reading and Voldemort was heading into the Great Hall. So I was like, what is going on? Because Neville should actually be dead right now. It's not that I want Neville to die, um, but if he took the snake's head off, I, I, I'm pretty sure Voldemort would be a little bit more upset than he was. And and instead, just, you know, focusing on whatever he was, what else. It was just, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that scene. I would have to reread it. I don't exactly remember the placement, but... I don't remember the, the sequence time, of events just, enough to... Yeah, just thinking about the reading of it at the time, it made sense to me, so, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I, I, Eric, I think Voldemort's just main concern, all he cared about was getting rid of Harry. Well, Neville I would, think it would be intelligent to have some uh, kind of sub-objectives, uh, like not losing more Horcruxes. <laughs> but... He, d- he did show earlier how well, much he was um, willing to protect Nagini, putting her in the box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the box. Uh, what do you think of Snape's mm. death? That's just a question for me. Um, because there are a few people who were actually upset about Snape's death, even though it was like such a noble death, and afterwards Harry just, you know forgets about the battle and goes up through the pensive and learns all that stuff. Uh, some people think maybe he should have dueled, maybe kind of done something else, you know, instead. I mean, mm-hmm. he just got bit in the neck by a snake, but it's, it's like, well, yeah, it's it was- an important snake, and that's, maybe it's important that Snape's death was kind of, you know, not anticlimactic, but kind of uh, quick and easy uh, in ways. Well, that's the thing. It should have been more of a triumphant death, I think. <laughs> I thought it was think... very tragic, though, and I think it was fitting it was tra- because... Oh, it was terrible. But, yeah, yeah, because Snape is a tragic character. Yeah. Like, that's... I mean, it... I don't know. I think it would have seemed... I don't know. It would have seemed kind of weird for him to be, like, you know, triumphant... Or not triumphantly, but bravely leap out in front of Harry and stop a killing curse. Like, it, that would have just seemed out of place yeah. to me. No, I think I agree. And when I'm asking about that uh, as well, I just think, you know what, I actually do like how it was done. And it was, you know, Voldemort and Snape had that conversation, like, moments, just just moments, and Voldemort was getting tired of Snape, you know, finally kind of seeing things uh, less as equal, and decided to kill him. I just thought, you know, I think that is actually cool, because it's all about the relationship that Snape has been upholding between himself and Voldemort to protect Harry and stuff. And when he grabbed him and said, look at me, and that was actually very dramatic. That was so sad. You know what? A lot of people, you know, you've got a lot of people out there who are huge Snape fans, you know, the ones that read all the fan fiction, and apparently there's a podcast. Um, but these people were very unhappy that Snape did not get a funeral. Oh, and come on. Oh, like, you it, right. Here's my point. Here's my point. If we were going to show the funeral of a character of a character that everyone cared about, then you would have had like 75 funerals at the end of that book. And it's like, honestly, I didn't feel like that was important to it. I felt like that, I felt like Dumbledore's funeral was important because at the time he was important to Harry. Harry didn't realize Snape's, you know, loyalty. He didn't realize anything like that about him until after his death. And I think that Snape really got, you know, I think that we saw what Snape was made of, and I think that we saw that Harry did come to appreciate him because he named his son after him. So yeah, um, I just don't see the big deal. You're right about the funerals. Just yeah, there was something about his death that always puzzled me. I don't know if you guys thought about this at all. You know when Voldemort kills Snape because he thinks that it's going to give him the power that he needs to defeat um, Harry, and the whole issue with the wands. He never uh, kills mm-hmm. Snape with the wand. So essentially, he never takes that... You know, at the time, he thought he was taking that power away. 
But he would. How does that work though? Because he had the snake do it. He didn't actually use his wand. So isn't that yeah, a flaw? Yeah, but that was plan? the whole point. He was flawed in his assumptions. He didn't yeah. know what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he was flawed no matter him. what, though, because of the whole Draco situation. But he yeah. was flawed yeah. even more in the sense that even if Snape was the person, he didn't even kill him with the wand. He killed him with the snake. So he would never have had the power anyway, right? Do you understand? Yeah, but that was, uh, that was the whole point. And I, think, was, I think a lot of yeah. it was Snape also protecting the other people connected to the wand. Like, in not not just but he wasn't just protecting Harry he was protecting Draco too like you're trying to basically I think that Snape was acting on Dumbledore's orders to protect as many people as he possibly could just like he acted on Dumbledore's orders to kill Dumbledore in order to protect Draco and in order to keep his position safe but while we're on the subject of Snape just thinking about how cruel he did have to or he would have had to have been as headmaster of Hogwarts. He couldn't have been nice because his his underteachers, the Death Eaters that were, you know, uh, I forget their two names, but they were teaching unforgivable curses to the students. I mean, I, I feel like we've had such a brief glimpse of Hogwarts from this book uh, and what was actually going on that it's, it's, it's impossible to say that Snape was, you know, again... I mean, he died a valiant death, but just thinking in the beginning of the book, he was the one who took uh, George's ear off and I think killed Mad-Eye, didn't he? Or but surely something. he was doing that yes. in order yeah. to protect and he also, him theoretically. Yeah, he also killed that Muggle studies teacher. But yeah, I think it was all in order to protect his position. Yeah. No, in the end, I really think the means, so. I think, but it's just, it's just he had you know, to be that's, there, didn't that's, he, to protect. Yeah, protect it's just students. something else that's, and it's and to take orders from Dumbledore's portrait all year, you know, and, and to really organize things based on that, which I thought was cool. Um, you know, it's just... The, the thing I liked most about it was the Dumbledore Snape relations, uh, as viewed in the pensive. That was just cool. Yeah. Overall, though, uh, well, first of all, this <laughs> I was off for a second, but the the Snape funeral thing that that's that's definitely pushing it. Yeah, um, I think so as well. More and people would want a Tonks famous funeral, wouldn't they? So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> More people would want them to live. Actually, next emails from Harleen Gambier. She said, she says, it was said earlier in DH that Expelliarmus was Harry's signature move, and he defends his choice by saying it saved him from Voldemort in Book 4. It's cool to note that this is the spell that he uses to finally destroy Voldemort, and he needs nothing else. Uh, as we were saying on the tour a lot, uh, that seems to be Harry's spell for everything in Book yeah. 7. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, old, oh, there's a giant snake coming out of an old lady's face and body and just magically boo Oh, Expelliarmus. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> it's like the whole Alohomora thing. It's the wizard's bread can't... and butter, as as Dan explains in the movie. Yeah. What's the point of locks in the wizarding world if everyone can just do a quick Alohomora and, you know, well, open they, the doors they, up? They have magic locks, has been, has been pro- proven in the Department of Mysteries, haven't they? Even, yeah, even yeah but still, <laughs> but still, it's like I don't know. Honesty, don't Andrew. Honesty. Honesty. Well, yes, well, can... the the only thing I they haven't what they haven't because uh, it is honest. They haven't undone unpermanent or permanent sticking charms, have they? Because there's apparently some kind of level of sticking charms that you can't undo. For instance, Mrs. Black's portrait. Because they said you know they must have tried everything on it. So there are apparently things you can do to lift sticking charms, but no permanent sticking charms, or depending on how strong they are. So, like, I'm just thinking about locking 
doors, etc. Um, you could just put a sticking charm on the door, maybe. You could, but you wouldn't really want to put a permanent sticking charm on your door, would you? Well, not have. unless you can walk through walls. <laughs> In the second part of her email, she writes, To what extent did Dumbledore know that Harry would survive because of his blood which ran in Voldemort's veins? I am also a bit, a bit sketchy on this idea, since wasn't it Voldemort who was, writing, who was the writing child at or withering child at King's Cross. Wouldn't they both be in limbo, sort of? Was Dumbledore really alright with raising Harry as as a pig for slaughter and making him sacrifice himself despite that despite the love that we are assured he has? Is this the grand plan that he tells us about at the end of book five? The plan to equip Harry with the power to kill the other Horcruxes and then kill himself? This idea tarnishes Dumbledore's image okay, for me. Okay, quick answer. No, he did not know at all. Second thing, yes, no, you're right, it's not cool. And third answer, <laughs> yes, you should be tar- tarnished in your uh, Dumbledore image. Because that's a crap <laughs> cop-out. Oh, okay, man. it's not a cop-out, though, because... No. It's a cop-out. Dumbledore, okay, Dumbledore's whole thing... What are you going to say? It is not Harry's a cop-out. Dumbledore's incredibly, incredibly he, intelligent. He was! <laughs> even if Sorry. Harry was a horcrux, he was... He, could he not, was, Eric. He was a horcrux, no, Eric. If, <laughs> don't tell me we're getting into this debate. Me. He could not have been a proper horcrux because he was made accidentally not with all the right charms, right? Even he's it a, doesn't matter. A horcrux, he's a he bastardized horcrux. horcrux. There, there Eric, should Eric, be... Yes, Eric. he's a dastardized horcrux, which is the, which has to be the title of this episode. <laughs> dastardized horcrux. A what? Um, dastardized? Dastardized. D-A-S-T-A-R-D-E-L. No, no. Or I, no, you said he was illegitimate, so forget it. Illegitimate yeah. horcrux. <laughs> illegitimate horcrux. Like not made properly. Harry is also his own private entity, and not only that, but JKR did not specify, or, or at all, what part of him is a Horcrux, or if he is a Horcrux, how's his scar intrinsically linked to that? Because she didn't, she didn't remove his scar. She didn't. But I really don't think this is up about... for debate, though. <laughs> I th- no, I'm not. De- Dumbledore explicitly said, "Harry, you are the seventh Horcrux," and I, I, I laugh at people who still try to argue. Oh no, 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 don't confuse me. I, I agree. Don't, I agree. Maybe there should be more details. There should be more details. That's all I'm saying. I will. Except that Harry is a Horcrux. I think it was a cop out, just because, <laughs> just because the prophecy. You know, we were told ahead of time how strictly worded that was, and we were guessing and guessing on the prophecy for so long that didn't come into play. Okay, it turns out Harry's this Horcrux. That was anticlimactic. Um, yeah, it did. And oh yeah, how'd the prophecy come into play? Uh, one well, has one of them to kill the, the other. other for, oh, oh, well, <laughs> for about either one? can live while the other survives. Yeah, but they both died and one of them lived and it's like... But Harry yeah, didn't die. Right. But they were both surviving the whole time yeah. anyway. But, well, okay, here's the point though. Harry never died. Voldemort died at the end. They weren't dead at that moment. Okay, well... Because... Okay. because one of, one the of them died eventually. That Harry, That's all that had to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Harry was anchored to the earth with the same protection that his mother gave him. That was the whole point, because as long as Voldemort survived with Harry's blood in his body, Harry couldn't die. Mm-hmm. So, so since Voldemort cursed Harry with the Vada Kedavra, it should have killed him, but it didn't because Harry didn't try to kill Voldemort. Though, according to Dumbledore, Harry had the choice whether or not he wanted to live or die at that moment. So Yes, and he chose to live because it wasn't easy. He could have died and gone and been with his family, but he didn't. He chose to go back and finish Voldemort off. Okay, so you justify the prophecy. You say it does come into account. I might stand corrected, but what about the journey? What about the journey, how Harry thought that he had to do it on his own? 
And yet, every time in this book, it's someone else who finishes off a Horcrux. I like the idea that all of Harry's friends get to get their own try at, at a piece of Voldemort's soul, but then why emphasize Harry's lone journey at all? Or, or, or the fact that it's that it's Harry alone because he never embraced help. Yet every I don't single think... all of his friends got got to try to Why does help. it have to be Harry? Uh, or why is Harry important at all if all of his friends get to go around and and have the power to destroy Horcrux? If all it takes, I mean, I, I realize well, I don't understand what are, the argument are, is though because I mean Harry's only destroyed one, and the one he destroyed was by accident, really. And uh, what does it matter who's destroying the Horcruxes? As long as, as long they're as being destroyed. destroyed. Yeah. yeah, see, the point is, Harry, the prophecy never said anything about Harry being the only one to destroy the Horcruxes. It said explicitly that Harry had to kill Voldemort. So I don't think that it matters that his, you know, that Neville and Ron and Hermione all went after Horcruxes. I don't think that matters. I think the point is that Harry had to be the one who to finish off the last piece of Voldemort's soul, which was the piece residing in his body. Oh well, then that yeah. that kind of plays down the prophecy, I think, in my opinion, because the I don't only think so. not really. the because one with, it was the, the part one with the power of, to the vanquish active... the Dark Lord, the the one with the power to actually finish it. Oh, oh, actually, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. but see, that was okay. After, Eric. after seven other people <laughs> Eric, take Eric. care of seven other bits of soul. Harry is the one. This kid at the seventh month, he's he's the one who can actually like kill him after everyone else. But I think yes, I, but prefer, see, I prefer the... to. I think I prefer to see all of his friends help him I out. Do, yeah. I do too, as well. Just Harry I do as well. But then so don't I, complain, I do. Sir. No, it's don't great. Complain. But why did Harry not accept that, or why was it focused on on Harry? for most of the book? And this is this is a paradox. This is where it pisses me off. This is where it upsets me. For most of the book, it's the trio in the woods. All the way past Christmas, maybe even into, I think it's Easter by the time they actually do something, okay? They're, they're just in the woods <laughs> uh-huh. for the longest bit of time, and I and they have their own, you know, kind of relation. It was, it was all right to read, I guess, but there's just, among the many problems, it's just them alone. And they're secluded from the world, and, and, and you know, it's, it's big emphasis on, on, you know, maybe the trio. Harry, yes, but maybe his closest friends. But yet, at the end, it just never, it, it didn't seem to amount to anything, I'm sorry. It didn't. I thought it did, though, because, you know, you can argue that all of the pieces of Voldemort's soul all add up together to make the entire thing. But the point is, those pieces of soul that Ron, Hermione, and Neville all destroyed, those were all dormant. The point is, Harry destroyed the piece of soul that was out wreaking all the, you know, the havoc. Harry destroyed the piece of soul that was out killing everybody. He destroyed the big bad guy, in a sense. So I mean, all the big bad guys. Well, I wouldn't of- say they're all dormant, though. I mean, look at, um, look at Riddle's diary, the amount of harm that caused. Yeah, but see, they were, it was, I don't know, they were dormant, like, unless you started messing with them, in which case they could possess you. But the point was you had, I really feel like that the piece of soul that was inside of Voldemort's body was the primary, like, it was yes. the one out yeah. directly was, causing trouble. There's seven Harry was bits. the only one who could do it. Oh, no, no, Harry wasn't the only one either. I mean, Harry was the only one who could no, kill the it, one part of the soul that was in his body. But but what it, mentally mentally. But Dumbledore prepared Harry for the Horcruxes. He didn't he didn't go out and 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 invite Ron and Hermione into the classroom and tell them about Horcruxes. Yes, he told Harry. That ah, he could but tell you him. know. But remember, Dumbledore explicitly told Harry that he needed to confide in Ron and Hermione. I don't think he would have told Harry to tell them what was going okay. on if he didn't want them involved. Fair enough. But what about Neville? What about you know anybody else that that did it? I mean, Dumbledore kind of wanted or, or thought it had to be specifically Harry, but yet it was very vague. And and I, I, there's just a lot of problems I have with Book Seven. I'm not coming to terms with. This show is a good way for me to well, do that. Let's forgive me. Okay, 
we should split it up over multiple shows though, because I have a feeling there's going to okay, be yeah, a lot no, of that's it. fine. Um, let's move on to another email for now, and Eric, you can do your thing later. Uh, another one comes from Deborah Bailey. She says, "Is there any significance that the first golden snitch was made in Godric's Hollow?" Not really. I don't think. I think that's just a fun fact. Yeah. I think it's just yeah. a cool fact. Yeah. Just like a plot. Another email from Matthew Rulestone. Did you feel betrayed that we had built up too much to Harry going after the Horcruxes, then halfway through he was choosing between the Horcruxes and the Hollows, which didn't really know so much about? Yes. He didn't really know so much about. Uh, yeah, but there had to be a new plot introduced in the book, I think. A, a, a new... A new... Um, so what I'm looking for. I know what you mean, Andrew. Because I was feeling a f- this new factor, yeah, like a new, a new kind of like all the books have been separate in a way. Even if they're tied to Harry and the, the overall story, they're like separate books. Yeah, like, like book six focuses on Horcruxes, like the Philosopher's and, Stone, so, like the Chamber of Secrets, you know that kind of thing. Right, right, um, right. But yeah, like the entry. But and there had to yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I no, Andrew. I I agree with you. Well. I was going to say, I thought it was important because it showed what Dumbledore was working towards for so long. You know, that was sort of his means of trying to combat Voldemort, I thought. And it was important, I think, to learn about that because it offered an alternate means. I'm not saying that... I don't think it took anything away from the Horcruxes. It, It was just an alternate decision for Harry to make, which way do I go? And it just turned out that the destruction of the Horcruxes was the easier way for him. I don't... I mean, I'm not upset that it was introduced, but it was kind of the whole basis for the book. It tied in what several things I think J.K.R. wanted to do, the Hallows story. It gave us a lot of Dumbledore's past. It uh, presented Harry, as Micah said, with a chance, even at the last moment, to possibly do something uh, different, go an alternate route, especially with, um, with all of his loved ones, his deceased loved ones showing up in the woods before he threw the stone down. That was, you know, that's pretty cool. Introducing the Hallows this late in the game was, I don't know that it was perhaps done the way I wanted it to be done, but at the same time, it was, uh, it did present things to the novel that made it, uh, made it kind of interesting in, in one of the ways, and you have to see this book as, you know, one of the books of the series, but also just a distinct book. I think it was, it was an interesting plot line to add. The I thing was, that, you know, though, this, that this in the, game. the Hallows weren't introduced in this book. They were there pretty much the whole time, with the exception of what was inside the snitch, what Dumbledore put inside the snitch. So it's with the Invisibility Cloak and the Elder Wand, they were always there. We just didn't know and, they were there. And the which, ring, even. I yeah. mean, in book six. Yeah, that's what, that's I, what I didn't I meant. like, though. I mean I, I mean, I liked how intrinsically linked they were from the past, but... Voldemort made a Horcrux out of something that was a hallow without even knowing it was a hallow. And I'm pretty sure nobody except Harry ever understood the rules of the Elder Wand. Um, I still don't. Well, that's probably a good thing. Y- yeah, I'm but, assuming but the assuming that rules not about... everybody knows about the Elder Wand. No, 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 I mean the rules of the Elder Wand. <laughs> the rules of the Elder Wand. When, when, when Voldemort was fighting with Harry, okay, and Harry's like, Booyah, it's Draco Malfoy. Okay, but I, then I that would have been completely that would have been completely pointless if Voldemort had understood the rules of the Elder Wand. Then they would have been like in check, basically. Oh, see, so if Voldemort had it, I mean, it's just it's 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 carelessness on Voldemort's part. I think I think Voldemort's pulling a Harry's, taking some of Harry's traits now by not by not knowing anything. 
really. I mean, that, that's that's a very offensive comment, I'm sure, but I, I, think I, I was just It's all about Howie's discovery, isn't it? Howie's taken the time to fully understand this. It's all happened because, because he's discovered all this stuff along the way. I mean, he's showing that Voldemort's losing his intelligence. Dom- Voldemort was once the dominant character has now slipped down. Harry has been learning all of what Voldemort hasn't been learning, and that enables him to defeat him in the end. With Expelliarmus. Another question comes from Arya Hirsch. Sorry if I got your name wrong. How did Ron and Hermione get out of the Chamber of Secrets? Oh, well. well here's a question. Fox save the day. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's like, can you speak Spanish without speaking Spanish to, be, to even get in? Like, you know, can you, can you say amigo without actually knowing? You, yes, you, you, you speak Spanish to get into the Chamber of Secrets, Eric? No, I'm saying <laughs> another language, such as parcel tongue. What did Ron say? <laughs> no, I'm that, just kidding. Yeah. Well, didn't, secret, didn't, uh, Ron have, chamber. didn't Ron have a broomstick in his hand? Did he? After yeah. he came back? I, I thought he did. did. There was a broomstick. So there he was did. A, it's, I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. So you know, did. I wanted <laughs> to see the Chamber of Secrets come back. I wondered. Now, obviously, after they discovered it in year two, for five years, did Dumbledore never go down there looking for they could use it for something. They could convert it into a usable space. Surely they, they could have made it into usable space. Maybe, maybe <laughs> since the there's only a, since there's only room for like five four poster beds in the Gryffindor dormitory, they could have housed some more Gryffindors or, or something. Whole new house. Or, house or, or, or house it anyone really? Uh, but. No, no. Thinking about that, that was such an abscess. Like I can't believe. And and thinking back, I don't know why I never brought up the question before. But the the chamber of secrets. I mean, even though it's been postulated what or pondered what has been happening down there, it it seemed like very uh, empty. She, it, I didn't even know if she'd ever answer the question, and she still hasn't. Uh, if any of the teachers ever went down there, because I mean, apparently it had been looked for for and you know actually searched for a long time. I think that's just her. Irrelevant information, though. I don't think it's irrelevant. It's, just... it's a big, a big hole in the in the uh, in Hogwarts. Students could have been using it afterwards for secret things. Yeah, I, I, I think I think Joe's air answer would just be Dumbledore sealed this. Well, I I would like that answer <laughs> just just to clear it up. But just to clear um, it up. Yeah. But yeah, Hermione and Ron going down there. I can understand why we didn't see it in the first person because it wasn't Harry. But I would have liked to kind of read about them in the chamber a little bit more. Obviously, I mean, it was at the end of the book. Everything else was happening. Oh, by the way, we've been down in the chamber. You know, nothing yeah. has happened there yeah. for five years. But we, you know, pulled up some more basilisk fangs. We're ready to kick some Horcrux ass. Yeah. Hey, hey. Wow. We're ready to kick some Horcrux bum. PG. What kind of language is that? Sorry. Hey, she used... um. She used bitch in the book. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Stop. My ears are bleeding. We can good curse. Good enough for JK. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we can curse with limits. Well, I, <laughs> I hate to be like, we can curse now, cause, <laughs> but whatever. I guess I guess our listeners are growing up. Hey, uh, another email now. Unless anyone had anything to add to Eric's thing. Uh, Jessica writes, I had always thought that in order for a witch or wizard to apparate somewhere, they would need to have been at the place before in order to picture the place in their mind. But the, but, but the trio was able to apparate to Godric's Hollow and various forests. Hermione couldn't have camped at all of them when they've never been there before. How were they able to get there? They never say that you have had to have to have been somewhere to apparate there, do they? It's never stated. Yeah, don't, you just gotta... I think they were just thinking of the location. Yeah, I mean, like I guess one. I guess you could also argue that Harry has been to Godric's Hollow. The only problem with that argument is, of course, he really doesn't remember it. His only yeah. recollection of it is the actual attack by yeah. Voldemort. But, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like, 
I mean, didn't Hermione, I forget, it was like they went to the Forest of Dean or something, and Hermione said she'd been there camping. I mean, I don't think it's yeah. entirely oh, impossible. That's true. That just means she could picture that place really quickly, because it was a split-second decision to yeah. go there, wasn't it? So. Hmm. And, um, Read the email see where I leave from Lexi. Here. Well, you skipped, you skipped Charlotte Hutchins? Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Sorry. Uh, another email now from Charlotte Hutchins. She writes, Should the Houses of Hogwarts be disbanded in the wake of the Wizarding War, considering all the anemone that it created? You'd think that after war meant to separate people into worthy of life and not worthy of life, that they might realize that it doesn't matter if you're smart and cunning, bold and loyal, sweet and lovable, or the wittiest person on the planet. Personally, I think uh, that the Houses create a little fun competition in the school. Yeah. It's- it's like sporting. It's sporting teams. It's sporting it events. No, it's school it's about houses, and it does. It I mean, I think we've been drawn. I think the point there is that there's always going to be some amount of, I, I don't want to say prejudice, but there's going to be some amount of competition between people, no matter what you do, no mm. matter how many wars there are. I think what we saw as important was Harry, who had started off the series with a completely negative view of the Slytherin house, told his son that it didn't matter if he ended up in Slytherin, because... It was your choices that defined you. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't what house you were in or anything. And I think that people like Harry and, you know, people who revolutionized the ministry knew that. I think the people who really changed the world knew that. And I think that's what matters. There are, all, there are always going to be people out there who hold grudges and that kind of thing. And you really can't change that whether or not you get rid of Hogwarts houses. That's really brilliant, Laura. Yeah. Because mm, that's, yeah. a, that's a brilliant comparison between how Harry at the end didn't mind if his son was in Slytherin. I, th- I like that a lot. Yeah. What surprised me also was him saying that the bravest man he ever knew was in Slytherin. Why would somebody who is their biggest character trait is being brave be in Slytherin as opposed to Gryffindor? But Yep, and Dumbledore even said sometimes I think we sort too early. Yeah. Ooh. Because yeah. people's personality traits slide as they grow older, don't they? Oh, yeah. yeah, they slide. Oh, yeah. Although it seems that all the characters that we know, that I, I can't really think of a specific example where someone's house would change. Could you? Could anyone? No. Maybe Hermione. I mean, the yeah. Sorting Hat wanted to put her in Ravenclaw at first. Yeah, which was interesting yeah. when she said it. Um, but I, I think also drawing in, being drawn into the story of Harry Potter, we've been basically, you know, put it, pitting Gryffindor against Slytherin. And, and, you know, that was like, obviously, I think, the rivalry with the most fuel in it. You know, for for anything that beyond simple rivalry, you know, anything like with prejudice would be Gryffindor and Slytherin. Do you want only mudbloods? Uh, I mean, only um, uh, purebloods to be, you know, trained as as Slytherin did, or you know, do you want all people like Gryffindor? I mean, that was like the fundamental kind of. If it were a story about Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, you know, there might not be that much anonymity between the houses, and there wasn't that we know of. You know, I mean, I, I think it's just if there was going to be a prejudice. It would have been, I think, Gryffindor against Slytherin, and and you know we've been drawn into that through the yeah. books. Well, I would yeah. I would have thought it'd be more natural to have a prejudice between Hufflepuff and Slytherin, since Hufflepuff was lovable and accepted. Yeah, everyone. yeah, that's the I kind, kind of, of think so opposite too. Slytherin. That that would have. I mean, the students, the students themselves love love the whole housing situation. I believe so. If if you were to merge them all together, yeah, huge like, dormitories. We, we, yeah. we had a show once called Griff Raven. Huffle, Huffle Rin, yeah. or something, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As coined by who made that up? Jamie. Eric? No, it, Jamie? I think it was, it was definitely Jamie. Jamie, or it was 
because I'm thinking Greg Porter for really? some reason. Uh, Maybe we, not. I don't we know. tried, I think, even on the episode, we had five or six names. And I, I had one that was obscure and didn't make much sense. And what it, did, it wasn't the... Uh, oh, yeah. We picked the one that, that flowed the yeah, best. Yeah, I, I think it was Jamie, actually. But I'm, I could be correct. Um, But about the houses, do you guys think... Because uh, I really liked... for uh, One of the things I liked about book seven was the... Uh, lost diadem or tiara for short of Ravenclaw like and uh, th- that kind of backstory on the bloody baron and Rowena Ravenclaw's uh, daughter and you know that kind of thing that that it took us back to the founding days of Hogwarts kind of in a way mm. yeah because I wanted to see or, or hear more about the founders of Hogwarts because they were the greatest witches and wizards of the day you know what I liked about that is that we had a show way back, I think it was one of our Halloween episodes and a bunch of people were like, well, why are you discussing the ghosts? They're not going to play any role. They're useless. <laughs> Nobody cares Just about them. You. Well, you know what? Eat your words, listeners. <laughs> and Ben. You were wrong. Um, and Ben. Yeah, and Ben. <laughs> you know what I found interesting about that whole situation, though? There seems to be so much mystery surrounding like the founding days of Hogwarts and that type of thing and then we find out that the Grey Lady was the daughter of Verena Ravenclaw and I'm like you pretty much have a walking encyclopedia of Hogwarts history right there Yeah. so why are there so many questions yeah I was <laughs> yeah. like that seemed a bit weird maybe she just wasn't willing to talk about it maybe not that many people knew who she was but I was I just thought I found that kind of peculiar well I think you need the manly charisma and boyish good looks of Tom Riddle uh, to get anything out of her, and or of, or of course Harry, because she said like what she she confessed the diadem thing, but to Tom Riddle was like the only one she ever told about that, like, which is kind of upsetting. Like I I I did like the story. I didn't like how it was crammed into the end with the Battle of Hogwarts, but I did like the story. You could tell J.K.R. so thought that out um, about the founding founding days of Hogwarts and stuff. Like that was cool. So you guys, I just had an interesting question posed to me. Um... My friend who's here in the room, she's actually sitting here listening while we record. Her name's Lauren. Say hi, Lauren. Hi. Okay. Wait, wait, um, is she the MuggleCast listener? Yes, she is, actually. Okay. She's my next-door neighbor. That was a weird coincidence. But <laughs> um, she's asking, we were talking about the houses and stuff, and she's asking, um, it says, it takes a true griffin door to pull the sword out of the hat, like Harry and Neville both did. Could someone else of a different house do that if they were sorted wrong or too early, or does it just take some time to realize your full house potential? So, like, for instance, if Snape should have really been a Gryffindor, could he pull the sword out of the hat? Or is it, like, an well, arbitrary No, because thing? you have to be a true Gryffindor. <laughs> but do, just because you're sorted into Slytherin, does that mean that you are a true Slytherin? Well, like, Dumbledore oh, was saying Snape's, that we're sorted too early? Uh, well, Snape's brave. But he's also very cunning, isn't he? So? He's also very cunning and also very... I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody is one house and only has those traits, you know? I mean, everybody's got traits yeah. of all the houses. It's just which ones are not necessarily emphasized. I mean, you're right. Snape's underlying thing was probably the, the bravery he had mm-hmm. for doing everything or, or the courage, you know, to go through with stuff. But at the same time, uh, as a well-rounded... Per- it's a good question, though, with the sword and the hat. Just ask JKR, please. Just I guess okay, it just I'll depends call her what's up and running it. <laughs> I guess it just depends. It just depends on what's in your magical blood. Yeah. Yeah, Do you if, think so? If, like, because Harry wasn't descended from Gryffindor, so... No, and, and Sirius oh, okay. was descended from a strong Slytherin house. 
Reinhold and yeah, pretend though Harry else, so. was descended from the Peverils, and so was Voldemort. All right, you guys got me. Mm. You guys got me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I Maybe was Fox just think- I was just thinking, like, is it exclusive to people who were actually sorted into that house, or if you, or like, if say Godric Gryffindor rose from the dead and walked over to Snape and said, "You are very brave. I consider you a true Gryffindor." Would he be able to pull the sword out of the hat? What if that happened, however unlikely, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll say I don't think it could be a verbal, a verbal change. Yeah, if you don't. Understand. I don't know. It's got a cool connection, the hat and the sword, especially after Griphook had the sword. To think that it would still be retrievable uh, if you needed it yeah. from the hat is cool. Yeah, and it it kind of answers the question about whether or not it was actually Godric Gryffindor's or whether or not he stole it from goblins or tricked goblins into making it or whatever the controversy was. I think it was, you know, the sword is still associated with wizard and that's kind of, I think, a small triumph in, in uh, you know, despite any of the prejudices that would have gone on that Godric's sword was kind of still credited to him and, and his hat could pull it even after Griphook had it. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joe responded to that. I'm sure I've read somewhere that she responded to that and saying that Griphook was mistaken and that Godric hadn't in fact stolen it. But oh, I might cool. be wrong. Really? Oh, oh, yeah, I think you're right. Mm. I think she said that in the web chat or something. Yeah. Which I only caught the second yeah. half of, yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, let's keep moving. We're getting the... Uh, okay. Showtime's Almost done, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're getting kind of long. Yeah. Um, let's see Lexi. here. Lexi. Were any of the guys disappointed without, or girls? Sorry, Laura. She said, she said, she said you guys. guys. Uh, you guys. Andrew, <laughs> you can't read. Were, were any of you guys disappointed with how Pettigrew paid Harry back as well? I kind of expected something with more grandeur, and I guess I had a little bit of trouble sensing the significance of what ended up happening. Um, I'd love to. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I was a little disappointed. I mean, that wasn't the best way you could pay Harry back. He just killed himself. I thought it was. He kill himself and I kill Voldemort. That'd be cool. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was cool. I, was I thought it was fine. Had his mind of it, had a mind of its it own. It was helpful. You know how the hand had a mind of its own, and, and, the, and I think Voldemort it was the hand reflecting the, his true personality, wasn't it, rather than reflecting his mind? Well, no, I think it was that Voldemort created the hand, and the minute oh. that it went against Voldemort's means, uh, it it would strangle him. I thought that was actually oh. a little bit of a terrifying moment where it's like, wow, you know, your own hand is strangling you. How much, you know, must must that suck? But <laughs> but yeah. no, I liked it. I, that was one of the parts I liked, Pettigrew paying Harry back because it was quick. I mean, people were dying left and right. JK under death stick. Everybody was dying. Pettigrew, I thought that was cool. You know, where Harry just shouted at him, there was a moment's hesitation where Pettigrew, there was kind of some good that might have been in him and then his own hand you know, finish the business. I, I thought that that's yeah, I mean, it was true reaping of what you sow. You know, in my opinion. Yeah, like you said, Eric. I mean, it was a recognition factor. I think from the hand that Voldemort put there, and once it was almost. It sounds weird to say it was, in a way, like an activation. And as soon as Harry said out loud that he needed to pay him back in some way, that he had saved his life. It was like a trigger effect, and mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, he was going to go at some point, and, uh, you know, it, I think there was a lot going on, and it, it prevented him from doing Harry any more harm or anybody else that was on his side any more harm. So I don't I don't necessarily see a problem with how it happened. Yeah, I agree. If, 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 if you're, if you're um, 
this is just to Allison. If if you're uh, or no, this is to Lexi. Um, if you expected something with more grandeur out of that, um, I'm just curious what your thoughts were on the rest of the book. Yeah. Uh, final email today comes from Allison. Do you think Scrimgeour's last act was really intended to protect Harry? Well, obviously, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that was yeah. that was good too. Scrimgeour, come on, he died. Hey, he came, he came back. Yeah, he was he was pretty much eating his work. I mean, he was eating like everybody around him had been infiltrated. Okay, and and all his coworkers, all of everything that Scrimgeour was working for as a minister, even if he's not a, a nice guy or whatever, you know, I think Scrimgeour in some form believed that what he was doing was right, and to actually have Death Eaters having infiltrated everything and, and are now torturing you. And... You, he still doesn't give up the He doesn't give up the information that he was working so hard to get. I mean, he, he, he still maintained... Uh, you know, he changed sides that quickly in a way. You know, he, he, he knew that protecting Harry was the right thing to do after all, because uh, what Harry had been working against, you know, the corrupt ministry, was actually reality. Yeah. Anyone else? That was a darn no, good character I think, trait. I think that's good. That was a darn good answer, Alec. Eric. <laughs> okay, um, gonna do a segment now, haven't done it in a while, and um, unfortunately I'm out of water here, so I won't roll out of my mouth as well as usually does. Somebody actually asked me to do this in Pittsburgh. I think they were recording it, too. I don't know what they were doing <laughs> with it, though. Um, it's time for my <gasps> email of the week. That was terrible. <clears throat> that was really bad. It's time for my <gasps> No? Better? And that was better. better yeah. <gasps> you sound a bit I like can't do it like there. I used to. Right. I think I just have to like... Get it in the belly. Like Get it in the... Feel it in the belly. Feel it in the belly. Okay, maybe I need to sit up straight and have better posture. Be the hug. It's time for my... <gasps> yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah, a little bit better. Email of the week. Um, Becca Bates, 14, of Reading, Eric's hometown. Oh, my gosh. Subject line, auditioning for Harry Potter. Her message. How do you audition? Next line. And where? Two lines down. When? Question mark. <laughs> Two lines down. Time? Question mark. Was it was um, after you'd posted the... Um, about the musical, perhaps? Um, no, this was actually before okay, that. Okay. Um, we get these kind of emails a lot, actually. People ask us, whenever, whenever filming starts up again for uh, the upcoming Harry Potter film, we always get these emails from people saying, uh, you know, how do I audition? And the first problem, Beck, is that you're from Reading. And hey, wait a minute. Don't the- say Reading people never amount to anything. Well, Reading, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, United it States. Oh, all right, of course. Oh, um, not, you, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't Redding, saying. UK. No, I know, I know, Andrew. I'm just yeah. joking. It was awesome. Oh, oh, there's a Reading in the UK. Yeah, quite big university city. Yeah, I better track this IP. <laughs> it, it, it could be Reading, England, man, because yeah, that's where be. the original name William Penn named it after Reading, England. Um. Well, if you well, are from the U.S. No. Yeah, good, Laura. <laughs> they haven't, uh, they don't cast Americans. I'm sorry. Here, here. 
<laughs> yeah. Not not to uh not to rain on your parade because I actually and this is a story, when they were casting for the first movie, I did send in an audition tape. I was uh, all wow. I was eleven, I just turned eleven, I just read Goblet of Fire, and they were doing casting and I sent in an audition tape. I'm sure that some WB exec still has it and plays it every now and then to laugh. But <laughs> Laura, are we gonna see I that? did are so we, are we gonna see that video as a special on Pickle Pack? Uh, no, there was only one copy of it, and oh, it's in English. Oh, you should somewhere. get it back. That's get it back. We know we have contacts with WB. No, like, oh my god. No, no. I hope they perfect. burned it. The other problem is that, um, well, I mean, you could have been a little nicer in your email to me. That would have been nice. And uh, they, at this point, if you need to go to an open casting call, you can't just um, submit tapes anymore. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because I mean, they think they, you really they have can. all the. They all they have all the roles, so you need an agent. It's like Emma's. Yeah, oh, you need an agent too. Yeah, that's kind of important. So there is my huh email of the week. Don't send in any stupid email on purpose because it's pretty obvious when they're when they're on purpose. You, you write yeah. it obnoxiously bad. Um, so there you go. Uh, Dueling Club. Haven't done one of these in a while, Laura. Oh, yeah, and you made me uh, come up with it this week. Looks like we have a couple of them. First one it's going to be Neville versus Luna. Who do you Neville. think would win? Neville. I think Neville. Yep, I agree. Yeah, definitely. I think, and we should probably like back up our statements here, but I think that <laughs> yeah. definitely Neville, because Luna is very whimsical, and not to say she's unintelligent, because she's certainly not, but yeah. I think that a lot of her talent and her capabilities lie in the world of discovery, I suppose, like discovery mm-hmm. of new things, almost like a scientist in a way. And Neville's actually very magically inclined and he's also you know proven himself to be very brave so yes yeah, yeah. when when you were coming up with smart. these i was like make, make them book seven relevant mm-hmm. and neville's really changed so yeah that's why i never kicked neville. bum yeah yeah neville was great in book seven. grew up a crumpled horn snorkelack won't help you in a fight well well no yeah. and, <laughs> and that's the thing with uh with uh oh what was it mr lovegood uh xenophilius lovegood it was kind of a shame when he had to like when Luna had to accept that her father had been pretty much lying to her about you know that well first of all the big Crumplehorn Snorkak thing, but like her father's kind of I don't want to say Debbie Dad but uh, just you know not really as reliable as she would have hoped <laughs> it, him to it's, be. It's like a rite of passage though, isn't it? Growing up and finding that your parents aren't infallible and that they uh, yeah 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 things. exactly though like but Xenophilius yeah. but people who this just reminds me of this dueling club people who ship Neville and Luna what do they call it do they call it Neville Luna or Lou Neville or Nula 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 Nuna oh god oh my god Neville Luna okay Nevuna. We could make an entire show coming up with ship names okay anyway the next one is Griphook versus Creature Creature, wow. um, creature, creature, creature. I want to see Griphook yeah, just get so. it. We don't, we don't know <laughs> enough about I don't, dwarf I magic. Like we don't know enough about dwarf magic, though, do we? Really? What they possess? Well, just in terms based of off what fighting. we do know. I mean, we've seen that. I think that. Gosh, it's so it's difficult because, especially with creatures' character transformation, I want to say that it is a correct assumption to say that, in general, house elves are more trusting than goblins are. Mm. Mm-hmm. They don't think themselves quite as much, do they? What? They, they don't think themselves quite as much, do they? They're quite... No, um, that's a, they're not really as selfish as goblins. And it seems like... I don't know. It seems like a goblin would be more inclined to like cheat or 
or do something, yeah. you know, yeah. play dirty, that yeah. type of thing. I mean, I mean, no one said the dueling club was fair. You could yeah. win by <laughs> default of being a jerk. So, um, yeah, but I mean, well, I assume that's true. I mean, a creature could be accused of cheating. I mean, up yeah. until book seven, he wasn't always the most honest yeah, of that's people. That's really so. weird. Creature kind of replaced Dobby in book seven. I mean, in book six, there was yeah. this yeah. whole wonderful kind of Dobby is going to do the right thing. Creature's just going to s- s- hate what he's doing the whole time. And then, you know, in book seven, Dobby died, and Creature, you know, pretty much took over for the whole the whole uh, absence of Dobby. Really, just okay, but turned who... into a really cool house. No, off. see, I don't agree with that though, because he really came in before Dobby died. Yeah, his transformation occurred before Dobby was killed off yeah. um, by Bellatrix, and I don't know. I, it, he wasn't really seen again until after uh, or during the fight with Voldemort. Yeah, I mean, creatures' tra- transformation really was there during their whole stay at uh, Grimmauld Place, which was before Dobby. Yeah. Kick the bucket. So we do know right. the creature. Creature was there hacking at ankles, though, because J.K. has told us, even yes, if she doesn't watch the book. But I mean, who seriously didn't sit there and just let out a huge "aww" when Creature made them food, like when he oh, made yeah. the yeah. breakfast? Oh yeah, and yeah. Stuff? yeah. It was so, yeah. so, nice. so but, cute. But when Creature would be expecting them home, and then the Death Eater guy or, or whoever was there instead. Oh, and then Harry felt bad. Yeah. Yeah, Harry felt so, bad. That was no. amazing. Yeah. Okay, so, so is that it? Grip hook. I say grip hook. Yeah. Same. Micah, Eric. Creature. Creature. Oh. <laughs> okay. I mean, look what he did for you know the whole Horcrux. Thing. He drank the potion yeah. and survived. Yeah. Well, he's got a tough stomach. Yeah. Know that. <laughs> he's got a tough <laughs> stomach. He could outdrink Should we make grip hook. It- since we're kind of since we're kind of split, you want to make it the poll on MuggleCast.com this week? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Semi split. Let's see. If you're looking for a poll, and... <laughs> huh? Yeah, I said if you're looking for a poll, sure. I mean, we update weekly, oh. right? Well, well, no, we don't update oh. the poll weekly. <laughs> well, you should make it a poll thing anyway. I mean, yeah. So, um, okay, let's move on now to another segment we haven't done in a while: Andrew's Listener Challenge. Um, it comes from it's it, it stems from this email I got earlier this week. Uh, I was in this nice little conversation with Tiffany, and uh, in one of her responses to me, she said, "Question: Why don't you say pickles anymore?" And I was like, "Hmm, good point. We have the pickle pack. We have lots of people enjoying the pickle pack, getting lots of exclusive uh, exclusive bonus content shirt. that you're all missing out on." Ha ha. <laughs> now everyone has their shirt now. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good point. We don't we don't say pickles anymore on the show, guys. It used to be a big catchphrase on the show. Was it? Yeah, it used to be a big thing. Yeah. I remember even one show I went as far as to go pickles, pickle, 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 pickles, pickle, 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 blah. Nothing pickles. beats you doing that, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she probably got her fix just there, Andrew. Yes. Uh but wait, I don't want to stop there, Laura. Uh for my listener challenge this week, it's time to bring the pickle catchphrase back to MuggleCast. So um, for, the listen ch- for the listener challenge this week, find your nearest pickle retailer, create a sign, and, and, and create a sign that says, want more pickles? Question mark. Visit MuggleCast.com, or whatever you want. Just make sure it has MuggleCast.com on there. Take that sign, go to your nearest pickle retailer, and put that sign right on the pickle stand. Now, I want, of course, you guys to take pictures. 
Send them in to andrew at staff.muggleland.com with a pickle listener challenge in the subject line. We're bringing pickles back to the show. Now the next time someone's looking for pickles and they're a pickle retailer, they will find uh, the sign. They'll go to mugglecast.com and hey, maybe we'll, we'll get an extra few MuggleCast listeners. Sweet. Out of it. Very nice. So there's a listener challenge. Um, I don't think there can be one winner unless you do something extremely extravagant. I don't know what you could do. Well, people can vote on the pictures, oh, Someone will think of something. You could get okay. jars of pickles and spread them out on the beach, <laughs> on the beach like on the on the uh, like along the beach. No, but it has to be a pickle retailer. Uh, yeah, well, pickle. Pi- well, uh, it- uh, I don't know any beachside so, pickle retailers. Well, here's what you do: whoever creates the most extravagant pickle slash muggle cast display at a pickle retailer <laughs> in the pickle area. <laughs> Take a picture. Hopefully, you'll keep it up in the store and just run out and never return again. And by the way, parents, we're not endorsing any of this immature behavior. It's just for show. Uh, if people do it, whatever. We're not liable. Uh, we're not making people we're do any fast, of this. Yeah. It's, yeah, we're not liable. Good point, Laura. Thank you. So uh, send your entries into andrewstaff.mongolia.com with pickle, listener challenge in the subject line. Most extravagant wins. Um, a shout-out. When's, when's a Pickle Pack membership? How about that? Uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah let's do that. do that, though, legally. Like, I don't know if you can... Why not? Why not? However not. Why okay. Uh, well, because the registration was closed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. Okay, cool. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but we're still yeah. not like... <laughs> you know, win a membership to Pickle Pack. So if you missed out, Pickle Pack listeners still... Uh, if, if, you, if a Pickle Pack... Uh, Winner, if if a pickle pack member wins, then we'll give them a MuggleCast T-shirt, MuggleCast Summer Tour T-shirt, something like that. Okay, I need one of those. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll mail that out right away. <laughs> Get right on that. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, that. that's that's cool. That's cool. sometime in the next year or so. Okay, uh, now it's time for Chicken Soup Hurricane Dean Edition. I love the special editions of Chicken Soup. They're the most fun, but somber. At the same time. <laughs> okay, this comes from Jessica Chung in Kingston, Jamaica. She writes, I live in Jamaica and Hurricane Dean hit on Sunday. I was praying that I could download the latest MuggleCast before they cut off electricity. Actually, loading MuggleCast on my iPad was the last thing I did before the power went out. Anyway, I'd just like to thank you guys for keeping me entertained during the hurricane. MuggleCast was one of the few things that kept me sane during the three-day power cut. I love MuggleCast. Keep up the good work. Oh well, good. We're glad I kept you safe and happy and entertained. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful. Glad you're okay too. So, uh, with that, I think that wraps up today's show. Good show, guys. Yes, good show. Guys. I know it's yeah. been a while. It has we, been a while, uh, but it was good to get back. I'm glad to get into the regular scheme of things. I think we we got back. Hit the ground running. In the words of my easy button. That was easy. Yes, it was. Ah, uh, the easy button returns. Here's another thing we haven't heard in a while, the contact information. Ooh. Laura, what's the P.O. Box if somebody wants to send us something? It's going to be P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. Um, there are some people asking questions about that. No, I do not live in Georgia anymore. Yes, my mother is going to continue checking the P.O. Box and sending out people's mail for me. So, Thanks, Mama Thompson. Yes, the muggle mom, as I like to call her now. So keep sending mail. She'll make sure it gets sent out. Um and you know, every every now and then, you know, give her a little tip. You know, put a couple dollars in the yeah. in the envelope. Hey, thank you cards hey. to Laura's mom. Postcards that kind of yeah, thing. very nice. Yeah, right to my mom. Actually, I yeah, <laughs> I should address this quickly. Uh, we we have been having many, 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 many new listeners. So if you are a new listener, on three, one, two, three, welcome! Yay! welcome. Yay. I was hoping to everyone would chime in. 
yeah, we hope everyone continues to listen. Seriously, numbers have been through the roof. It's been uh, it's been good. So uh, the PO box is just a little fun extra thing we do here on the side. If people would like to send us some fan mail or maybe a craft or maybe a, a fun like cooking macaroni? recipe or whatever, they can send whatever as long as it is legal. And uh, we appreciate that. Here's another way of contacting us here on MuggleCast. You can call in a voicemail question, comment, or even a listener rebuttal. Just remember to keep your question under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. Uh, We have several phone numbers you can use to contact us. If you're in the United States, you can dial 1-218-20-MAGIC. That's 1-218-206-2442. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. If you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. That's Skype.com. Get Skype. Free program. Really cool. Uh, most people know about that already. You can also email in a uh, question, rebuttal, comment, or whatever else you want. Uh, just visit MuggleCast.com. Click on Contact at the top. Or contact any one of us at our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Jerry, you're Jerry at staff, right? Yep, yep. J-E-R-R-Y at staff.mongonet.com. We also have some several community outlets, ways to uh, uh, interact with fellow MuggleCast listeners, or even the co-hosts, us, he. Uh, we have a MySpace at myspace.com slash MuggleCastFans. We have a Facebook group, YouTube group, Frapper group, LastFM group, which is a music community. You know, we haven't done this in a while. Why not? Mm-hmm. We're not on a time limit here. Let's see the uh, most popular artist MuggleCast fans are listening to right now. This is what Last FM is all about. The Beatles is the top oh, artist. Oh, finally, wow. something good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no more Fallout Boy. No more Fallout. Rounding out the top five: Coldplay, Death Cab for Cutie, Fallout Boy, and The Killers. What, uh, what's up with you, emo people? <laughs> well, no, Why the, you the emo? Beatles are an essential part of music history, and I must say that I just downloaded. I just put my my two albums of the Beatles that I brought with me to my iTunes uh, library, and I have been listening repeatedly to the song "Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite," uh, originally from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So it's you, Eric. It's, it's entirely your fault, but it's gone right to the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all you're doing. Yay, uh, Beatles! Yeah, Yay, Beatles. and uh, we also have the fan listing and the forums over at MuggleCastFan.net. You can also dig the show at dig.com. Don't forget to vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. And rain review us at Yahoo Podcast. Jerry, you, you're also running a little website and podcast right now. I am. A little old thing. Um, www.fandomforecast.com We run a, a far less um, well-known weekly podcast called Forecast. And we talk all about <laughs> the fandom um, events and rock concerts and conferences and all that. Awesome. So yeah, check it out. Awesome. Very cool. E- even though the final book is out, the fandom is still thriving. That's a great idea you and Jennifer put together. Thank you. So. Very cool. I think that's about it. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tanabo. And I'm Jerry Cook. We'll see everyone next week for episode 108. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ooh, that is special lost significance. Bye.